Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I won't go long, but I want to go for a few moments to the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I want to go to John chapter 6. And I'll begin reading in John 6 with verse 9. There is a lad here, Andrew, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And then for the sake of time, you know this story probably. If you don't, I'll sum it up in just a moment. But I want to focus in on verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over and they, uh, who, by those who had eaten 12 baskets. I want to talk to you for just a few moments because this miracle had to do with a lad who had a prepared lunch. The lunch had been prepared by his mother. The mother had on purpose sent the boy off with something in his lunch bag. The Bible said he had a bag or a basket. He had a lunch basket. And she had provided the basket and she had provided the food. Five pieces of bread, five little biscuits, and two fish. And the question that I want to ask you as mothers, and if you're not a mother, then you are an aunt, you are something to someone. And this will relate to you. What have you packed in my lunchbox, mommy? What are you packing in my lunchbox? The whole miracle was dependent upon a mother packing something that the child would take. It was with intense care for this lad, for this young child, that she packed that lunch for her child. When God chose Abraham, the Bible said that he was an idol worshiper. What did God find in Abraham's resume that impressed him? What were his qualifications? What were his unique distinctions that made God out of all the people in the earth choose him to become the seed through which the nation of Israel would come and ultimately the Messiah would come through that lineage, his name would never die, Abraham. He's called in scripture three titles, the father of the nation of Israel. He's called the friend of God. Not only that, but he's called the father of our faith in the New Testament. He would channel through him the very lineage of God that ultimately would bring us Jesus Christ. What was the unique qualification? The key that unlocked the favor and the trust of God is found in Genesis 18 and verse 19. I know him that he will command his children after him. God said, when it's all said and done, I'm choosing this guy because I know I can trust him to put something in his children that will outlast him. That was the great ingredient that God was looking for in a man. 
to entrust such a heavenly treasure and marvelous revelation that God would give Abraham. He said, I know that the highest priority that I can look at is does he pass on what he has beyond himself to his children? When you save an adult, you save a half-life. But when you save a child, you save a whole life. The selection of Abraham by God included how he raised his children. You remember when he built an altar, the ultimate test was when he had his miracle child Isaac and he was willing, listen carefully, to pass the ultimate test in God's eyes for a parent is when you don't understand what's going on with that child or children and you will still lay them on the altar and trust God with those children. Not worry yourself, not panic, not live in fear and torment, but to lay the child on the altar. And when he did that, God said these words, now I know that you fear me because of how you laid your children with a situation you didn't understand on the altar. And you were saying, I trust you with my child more than I trust my way and my will with your child. God never was totally convinced of who Abraham was until Abraham laid his son on the altar. Isn't that something? God said, that settles it. And then he said, I swear I'm going to bless you. He made God swear because he was willing to be a parent that would not panic about his child, but lay his child on the altar when they were in trouble, when they needed God's help. One of the true dimensions of love for God is revealed when we're willing to put our children on the same altar that we have built. Sometimes it's our desire as parents to safeguard our children from everything. Shield them. We don't want them to go through nothing. We don't want them to hurt. We don't want them to be lonely. We don't want them to cry. We don't want them to be rejected. We don't want them to be heartbroken. We don't want them to lack. We don't want them to have to pray. We don't want them to have to go to the same altar that we had to go to. We must arise and say, I, I went to an altar and to my children, if you're going to get what God has for you, you're going to have to go to that same altar. And I can't, God does not have grandchildren, just children. One missionary was about to go to a foreign land. I'm going somewhere, so just stay with me a minute. But a missionary was going to a foreign land and the, the husband and the wife, these missionary, this couple in the ministry, had some little children. And he gave this testimony. He said, she said that she was really struggling with the well-being of her children in this foreign land. Un nothing like the luxury and blessings of America and very dangerous. And she said the Lord spoke to her after she fasted for three days about it and said, and I'm quoting, you can stay here and take care of your children or you can go there and I'll take care of your children. 
I'm telling you, the safest place in the world for our children is to be on the altar doing the will of God. And, and for us to try to deprive them and give them everything we didn't get. Sometimes we're so busy trying to give them everything that we didn't get that we're not giving them what we did get. The faith in God, the consecration, the dedication, the prayer life, the Bible reading. Paul said, I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. To go back and to give your children to God, to put them on the altar, to say, I don't want just doctors and nurses and lawyers, but God, whatever you want with this child, whatever your will is, it may not be bright lights. It may, I put my child on the altar for your divine purpose. I trust you with my children more than I trust me and my pathway for your children, for my children. Redemption was made available to the world when our heavenly father laid down his son on the altar of Calvary and let him go the route that most parents would not allow their child to go. It is our own tendency and nature to shield and to guard and to shelter. My kids will never have to sacrifice, we say, like I had to sacrifice. They'll never have to go through trials and, and tragedies and valleys and challenges and loneliness. Then they'll never, you should never expect them to be what you are and have what you have if you're not willing to lay them on the altar and say, God, I'm not a panicky person when I see my children going through things. I believe all things are working together for the good and I trust you even if it's not turned out like I thought it would turn out. Anybody getting anything out of this? I'm telling you that's what made you what you are. That's why you're sitting in church on a Saturday going after God when nobody would have predicted that you would be in church on a Saturday going after God. You had to go through your go-through and your children are going to go through it and you're either going to panic and freak out and try to be a control freak or you're going to lay them on the altar and say the blood is more powerful than anything that comes. No weapon formed against us shall prosper because it's not my protection they're under. It's his protective eye they're under. Everybody take a Praise break that your family is on the altar by you being here. You're packing their lunch. It's still the will of God for our kids to go to public school and be made fun of sometimes if they're true Christians. is still the will of God for our children to get ridiculed. You're still a virgin? And we want to shield them from that. But I went through that. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. At some point, you get something in you if you put them on the altar. It says, yeah, I don't care what anybody thinks. I can go to this crazy university and they can be living like hell and I don't have to do it to fit in, to feel like I'm somebody because my mama packed me a lunch that told me that I'm different to make a difference, not to be like them. My blessing is in the basket that was passed down from my mother and my father. 
still the will of God for young men to abstain from vulgar words. Oh, I'm getting old fashioned on you. But my parents put stuff in my little lunchbox. When I'd get smart mouth and slip up and say a cuss word, one time they washed my mouth with soap and I still remember the taste. Well, it's a different time and they're listening to different music. Well, maybe God wants some parents to start putting some stuff in the lunchbox that God can use and the, like some convictions. See, I got a question for you. Why was there only one person out of 5,000 who had a, a lunchbox? Where were the 5,000 people and nobody had a lunchbox? The only conclusion is, I think when they got out there, the main diet was always fish and bread. Back then, you read every meal, it's fish and bread. I think that some of them just decided they probably ate some that morning, but they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have Yeti coolers. They didn't have ice. You know, they didn't have all that stuff. So you're sitting out in a hot desert listening to teaching all day. The fish smells gross. It's getting, it's nasty. The grease and the bread are mixing together. And all the people started throwing away their lunch box that had been prepared for them and handed to them. There had to be some other kids there that their mama made them a lunch packed them a lunch. But you know what I think? I think, I think that, that there was, there were, there were, they all just said, it's not important anymore. It's no good. That's not for here and now. Only one kid. I, if you were to ask him, why did you hold on to your lunch? This is my sermon. I'll preach it like I want to. If you were to ask him, why did you hold on to your lunch? I, I could see him in my mind being interviewed. And he was saying, all I know is my mama gave me this. She passed it down to me. And she told me, now, boy, whatever you do, don't you throw this away. I don't care what other people do. God's looking for some people who hold on to what other people are throwing away. We need to hold on to convictions. We need to hold on to worship. We need to hold on to shouting. We need to hold on to praying in the Holy Ghost. We need to hold on to fasting. We need to hold on to co co consecration, separation. All I know is my mama gave it to me and she said, don't you let this go. When's the last time you added something to your conviction list instead of always taking them off? I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. I can do that if I want to. When's the last time your mama and daddy passed you down a basket of faith and you're still holding on to what they gave you and I don't care what other people and families do. This matters. This matters. Now, I'm, I know I'm getting on your nerves the last service here, but I'm telling you, this matters how we raise our children. What are you putting into their lunchbox? What, when you, I remember my precious daughters pulling up. I always took them to school. And they would get out, and I can remember little bitty things, little bitty, like, little ducks, like little, I used to call them little drunk midgets. They, 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 
and they would have their little ponytails and they'd have their lunch and they'd get out and they'd wave and, and have two teeth missing in the front and wave and the thought hit me one day, oh my God, what am I sending them into? When you see them going off to school, getting in that car, going off to school, getting in that car, going to high school, going to junior high school, they're facing things you cannot imagine. Their, their little ears are about to hear stuff you can't imagine. Their eyes are about to see things you can't imagine. And the only thing that has a chance of preserving them is what have you put in my lunchbox, mama? Have you put any scriptures in me? Have you put any Bible stories in me? Have you put any hymns and spiritual songs in me? I know you can sing whoever, whatever, the latest, greatest pop song, but do you know any praise and worship and I sing a highway boo I love that stuff when I hear my little granddaughter in the back seat throwing her hand up sometimes or just singing, Didas, Didas, you make the mountain tremble, Didas, you make the mountain They don't even know what they're saying. But it's, it's getting in their lunchbox. It's getting in their lunchbox. My God, there's enough secular mess. We need some spiritual stuff. We need some mothers who lay hands on their babies and send them out with a prayer, more than a kiss and a hug, a prayer. The blood be on you today, child. Somebody take a praise break if you believe your family, your family is destined for God's purpose, not man's, not man's. I lay them on the altar. Hallelujah. I, I, I wrote something in some old notes that apparently, I, it was an old sermon I used to, I was reading through it before I came over. It's called How to Fight for Your Family. And it was when we were fighting for our family. And my children... Uh, some of them were young and one of them had gone. I don't know where I got this story, but I know it had to happen because I wrote it in my notes. And one of the kids had been asked by their teacher, what do you want to be when you grow up? They, they would tell us like when we'd ask them, how'd you go? One of them said, I want to be a Christian. <laughs> but here's what got me. And then they said, Daddy, I wrote under, one of them said, Daddy, my teacher asked us to go around the room and she asked, she said, what does your daddy do? I thought this was a classic. I, I for, totally forgot about this. She said, she said, I said, well, what did you say, baby? And she said, I said, he don't do nothing. He's a preacher. <laughs> But you know what? 
Ahmad didn't get a lot of things in them, but we got packed into their spirit who Jesus is. It's rock solid. What the word says is rock solid and it's in you and now you got to pack it in those grandchildren because the enemy is targeting our families and our children. But if we put the word in them, if we pack that spiritual lunchbox, It's not a penalty to be a preacher's kid. It's not a penalty to be raised in a family that goes to church. Why are you depriving me, Mama? I want to date him. Why, Mom? I know he's not a Christian, but you take me to church and your rules and we can't get drunk like everybody else. I'm so pitiful and I can't get high and -and so-and-so. Their mama bought them the weed and I just don't understand. Why, Mama? It's not a penalty. It's a privilege to be in a Christian family. It's a privilege to have a Holy Ghost mama that says, I'll take my belt off if I have to. I don't care how old you are. That's a privilege, not a penalty. We need some women of God who will take their place in love and fight for their families. You got a short amount of time to pack that lunchbox. We need to pack into their lunchbox that it's better to stand up alone sometimes than to be wrong and be carried on the shoulders of a wicked crowd. It's all right to be different. To be different is an honor. It means I was chosen. I was called. My whole family is chosen and called. Just put the devil on the record right now. I just want you to know, every every one of you women of God, open your mouth up and say, I just tell you, devil, my family is chosen. My family is called. My children and my children's children, they are chosen by God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you need to know who you are. You need to know who your children are. It's not by accident you're hearing this sermon. God has a plan for your family. We need to put in their lunchbox Bible stories and Bible verses and praise and worship and hymns and songs need to teach them. You see this old black book? It's right. I don't have no answers for these things, Daddy. I don't. Un- uh, just, just live the part you understand. We'll figure all that out when we get to heaven. Can I just get you to do what you understand? You don't have to become a theologian. Just say, just, just, just do what I told you to do. Because that's packing their lunch. Don't tell me you're one of those Christians that believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe in the nonsense of Jonah and the whale that that he got inside the fish's belly. One atheist said to a kid that said, I believe in the Bible because his mama had packed his lunch well. And the atheist made fun of him. 
And he said, why do you believe it? He said, because it's in the Bible. My mama told me everything in the Bible is true. He said, well, explain to me how Jonah got in the belly of the whale and stayed alive for three days. And he said, I can't explain it, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask him how he did it. And the professor said, well, what if, what if Jonah's not there? He said, then you can ask him. I don't have to understand it all. I just believe there's a heaven, there's a hell. If you're not washed in the blood and born again, you're going to hell. If you're living right, you're going to heaven. And we don't have to complicate it. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish. I believe this book. Pack it in their lunchbox. We need to raise children that know the book is right. It's the word of God. It's not a way, one of many. It's the way. The truth, not some truth. The way. The truth, the life. I'm saying to you today that when that mother packed that lunchbox, she had decided that what she gave and put into that child that seemed so insignificant and little, that when Jesus gets a little, he would multiply it. And what got me about the story that I'd never seen before until a few weeks ago is not only did Jesus multiply the fish and the loaves, but he multiplied the baskets. Because they started with one basket, but they picked up food and put it in 12 baskets. Which means the basket is what was used to transfer from, from one generation to another. What God wants today to do in this service is so fill you that you will in return put some of the things that you're learning and growing and gracing into the lunchbox of your children. And God says, even though it may seem a little thing to on, you know, talk to them, tell that little Bible story or call them up and pray for them. And if they're even adults now, you just keep loving them and keep reaching out to them and keep praying for them. But God says, I'll multiply and I won't just multiply the fish and the loaves, but I'm going to provide another basket for another generation in your family. He came home and I could see him with a smile and he says, look, mama, I still got the lunch you told me to hold on to times 12 and the baskets. Are you going to pass on curses or blessings? Are you going to pass on defeat, fear, and intimidation, and depression? Or are you going to pass on be not sorrowful? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Fear not, for I am with you. It's more than monkey see, monkey do, mom. Now listen to me. Let me, let, let me close with this. Second Chronicles 6 is a shocking scripture. Second Chronicles 6, verse 7 through 10. It says this, Solomon did all that was in his father's heart. 
Everybody look at me just a minute. Solomon did all that was in, Solomon's the child. He did all that was in his parents' heart. The temple was in David's heart. God said, you're not going to get to build it, but the temple was in his heart. It wasn't just taking them to church, but church was in his heart. Living for God was in his heart. Loving Jesus was in his heart. He had a lot of issues, but you know what? You could not deny even God said, he's a man who's got me in his heart. He's a man after my heart. This guy has got me on his heart. And whatever is in the parent's heart is the only thing that'll get transferred to the child. Solomon did not do what David did. David didn't build the temple, but there was a temple in David's heart. And because there was a temple in the father's heart, the son built the temple. What I'm saying to you is children will only tap into what is really in your heart. Is worship really in your heart or do you just do it to tolerate it? Let's get worship in our heart. Let's get the kingdom of God in our heart. Let's get the word in our heart. Let's get living for Jesus in our heart. Let's get controlling our emotions and our tongue and our, 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 our fits. Let's get it in our heart. Because children tap into what's in your heart. That's why you got to be sure that you're giving them more than outward religion on Sunday morning. But you have a training camp for champions. When I leave this world and Sharice leaves this world, our goal is to leave five champions behind that will in return produce more champions and more champions and the basket keeps getting passed from generation to generation. You believe that? I just wrote this down yesterday. God, I am not going to raise any duds. None of my children. None of them. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love it when the Lord... See, that didn't do nothing for you. But that's a declaration to hell. That none of my children are duds. None of my children are waste. None of my children are, 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 are just accept nothing. I accept nothing from hell concerning my family. None of my children will fail. All of my children will be marvelously blessed and mighty in the earth. That's how you got to be. Shout, my children will not be duds. All right. I'm done. Does anybody here want to raise some champions? Let me close with this. This is a good landing. Here it is. Paul said, the time for me to depart has come. The Apostle Paul. The time of my departure is at hand. Now listen to this. But he understood that you're not ready to depart until you impart into another generation. And so he imparted into Timothy, his son in the Lord. And when he got him fully, his, his lunch fully packed, he said, now I'm ready to depart because you're not ready to depart 
until you impart your faith to your children, your children's children. You believe that, church? The miracle happened because of what a mother put in her little kid's lunchbox. What are you putting in your kid's lunchbox spiritually? You have no idea the influence that you can have on that child's life, even now. It's remarkable that what you put in is the only thing God can bless and multiply. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.